It is my personal experience that to obey the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, with a sincere heart and to love him, ultimately makes a person beloved of God. God creates in his heart a burning for his own love, and such a one, withdrawing his heart from everything else, leans towards God, and his affection and desire remain only for God Almighty. Thereupon, a special manifestation of divine love falls upon him, and bestowing upon him the full colour of love and devotion, pulls him towards itself with great force. He then overcomes his passions, and from every direction, extraordinary works of God Almighty appear as signs in his support and to help him. Writings of the Promised Messiah Then arise and repent, and win the pleasure of God through good works. Remember that the punishment of wrong beliefs is after death. Being a Hindu or a Christian or a Muslim will be determined on the Day of Judgment. But a person who goes beyond the limit and wrongdoing, transgression, disobedience and vice is punished in this life. Such a one cannot escape God's chastisement. So hasten to win God's pleasure and before the dreadful day arrives, namely the day of intensity, of the plague of which the prophets have warned, make your peace with God. He is very benevolent to the one moment of the repentance that melts the heart. He can forgive the sins spread over 70 years. Do not say the repentance is not accepted. Remember that you cannot be saved by your deeds. It is grace that saves and not deeds. Benevolent and merciful Lord, bestow thy grace upon all of us. We are thy servants and have fallen down upon thy threshold. Amen. The Promised Messiah, peace be on him, founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community in Islam states, Sin, which indeed is a poison, is born when a man is wanting in obedience to God and is empty of his love and his affectionate remembrance. The fate of a man whose heart has become cold to the love of God is like that of an uprooted tree, no longer capable of drawing the sap of life from the soil. As such, a tree gradually withers and dies. So like the dryness of the tree, sin overwhelms the heart. The remedy for this state of dryness, according to the law of nature, is of three types. Number one, love. Number two, istighfar that is, seeking forgiveness of Allah. It literally means a desire to bury or to cover, reminding one that as long as the root of the tree is buried in the soil, it can hope to bring forth green foliage. Number three, the third remedy is toba, which means to turn towards God in all humility, drawing the sap of life and to bring oneself closer to Him to break loose with the help of righteous deeds from the enveloping cover of sinfulness. Tawbah cannot be achieved merely by word of mouth. In fact, Tawbah can be perfected only with the help of righteous deeds. All acts of goodness are aimed at achieving perfection of Tawbah.
اللطيف Hazrat Yusuf on whom be peace mentions God's favors by virtue of his attribute of al-latif the benignant by recalling how God was his friend while his brothers conspired against him according to the lexicon latif is a kind of gracious being one who is benevolent to his creation as well as one who is aware of all subtle and incomprehensible matters al-latif is one who illuminates hearts who makes arrangements for physical and spiritual nourishment and who offers his friendship to his servants during times of tribulation the promised messiah on whom be peace said that sight intellect and consciousness cannot reach god it is impossible to try and see him he is al-latif he is unseen and illuminates the person he reaches to such an extent that the person speaks for him a divine honor mostly granted upon the prophets of god god is the knower of all subtleties and is all aware he is of those who seek him and raises prophets to be their guide to him his light is manifested through his prophets as they spread the light of unity of god all around them among all the prophets of god the holy prophet peace and blessings of allah be upon him disseminated this light the most for it was he who had the most perfect perception of god and it was he who was completely imbued in the colors of god in the current age because of his perfect and complete devotion and subservience to the holy prophet peace and blessings of allah be upon him god has granted this distinct honor to the promised messiah on whom be peace it is the attribute of al-latif that makes god the friend of his servants in all trials and tribulations just as the holy prophet peace and blessings of allah be upon him continuously prayed for the reformation of his ummah as well as his opponents as only al-latif can be the guidance and reformation al-latif is the supporter of the victim the voice of the oppressed al-latif is that companion whose loyalty never fails to astound it is he who fills hearts with his magnificent light then should we not be grateful for the mercy of al-latif what is ahmadiyat 101 ahmadiyat 101 is a brand new series explaining the beliefs of the ahmadiyya muslim community in a simple easy to understand format these videos are for everyone whether you are a fellow ahmadi or just here to fulfill your curiosity this is your platform to learn and find out more this series is exclusive to mta online one the official youtube channel of mta international so subscribe and turn on your notifications so you don't miss a single video post your questions in the comment section and we will answer them in future videos this is ahmadiyat 101 making islam ahmadiyat simple الحي
the Alive, the One who is eternally living. Allah is He beside whom there is no God, the living, the self-subsisting, and all-sustaining. The originator, the one from whom all creation originated. And he it is who originates the creation, then repeats it, and it is most easy for him. كلمتان حبيبتان إلى الرحمن خفيفتان على اللسان ثقيلتان في الميزان سبحان الله وبحمده سبحان الله العظيم There are two expressions which are very dear to Allah the Gracious. They are light on the tongue, easy to say, but are much heavy in the scales of Allah. These are Exalted is Allah with all his glory. Exalted is Allah with all his majesty. Al-Jabbar The compeller, the one who completes that which is incomplete and who has the ability to make people do what he wants. Holy is he. When he decrees a thing, he says to it, Be, and it comes into being. La ilaha illallah What is Ahmadiyyat 101? Ahmadiyyat 101 is a brand new series explaining the beliefs of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community in a simple, easy to understand format. These videos are for everyone, whether you are a fellow Ahmadi or just here to fulfill your curiosity. This is your platform to learn and find out more. This series is exclusive to MTA Online One, the official YouTube channel of MTA International. So subscribe and turn on your notifications so you don't miss a single video. Post your questions in the comment section and we will answer them in future videos. This is Ahmadiyyat 101, making Islam Ahmadiyyat simple. What is Ahmadiyyat 101? Ahmadiyyat 101 is a brand new series explaining the beliefs of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community in a simple, easy to understand format. These videos are for everyone, whether you are a fellow Ahmadi or just here to fulfill your curiosity. This is your platform to learn and find out more. This series is exclusive to MTA Online One, the official YouTube channel of MTA International. So. Subscribe and turn on your notifications so you don't miss a single video. Post your questions in the comment section and we will answer them in future videos. This is Ahmadiyyat 101, making Islam Ahmadiyyat simple.
أشهد أن لا أشهد أن محمدا You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. The gracious ever merciful. Assalamu alaikum. May the peace and blessings of Allah be upon you. And a very warm welcome to the breakfast show here at the Voice of Islam. Although it's freezing outside, I hope everybody is um, all uh, wrapped up warm inside their homes or in their cars or wherever they may be. So, in today's program, we'll be discussing an array of topics. Um, and before we actually jump to the topics, as is our tradition here, we like to see what's been printed into the morning papers. Um, and thereafter, we'll be discussing about the G20 Interfaith Forum, which is currently being held in Abu Dhabi. And we'll have uh, guest callers giving us the uh, uh, ground reality as to what the experience has been over there. And in our second segment, we'll be talking about a very interesting topic of medical drones which are saving lives and again we'll have um, guest callers helping us navigate through um, those segments but before all of that we'll jump into the news and um, see what's happening so very tragic event and uh, where four children have fallen into an icy lake near Birmingham the BBC reports that four children were taken to hospital in critical condition after being rescued from an icy lake near Birmingham. They are believed to have fallen into the water after playing on ice in Babs Mill Park, Kinghurst. And they were taken to two hospitals in Birmingham. West Midlands Ambulance Service said the children had been cardiac arrest when they were rescued, but offered no further update on their condition. <coughs> Excuse me. The Met Office has warned of the risks of ice as the UK faces a cold spell. During a news conference on Sunday evening, West Midlands Fire Chief Richard Stanton said crews were told on arrival that six people had been in the lake. He said, we have continued search operations in order to confirm whether there were any more in the water. But he later clarified now, this will no longer be a search and rescue operation, citing the coldness of the water, the age of those who had entered, and the time they may have been in there. And the ambulance service said during the news conference that its resources had been uh, stood down. And he said one of his officers had suffered mild hypothermia during the rescue operation, was making a recovery after being taken to hospital as a precaution. So, very sad state of affairs, and we hope and pray... You know, all these uh, children, all four of them, uh, make a speedy and healthy recovery. Um, and again, you know, a huge thanks to our emergency services for going above and beyond the call of duty. In other news, um, again, a very um, sad um, and tragic event in Italy this time, um, whereby three women have been shot dead in a, a Rome cafe. It's reported that three women, including a friend of Italy's new prime minister, were killed when a man opened fire at a cafe in Rome, injuring four other people. Those inside were meeting as part of a local bloc's residence committee. 
Roberto Galtieri, mayor of Rome, described the shooting as a grave episode of violence and said he would attend an emergency meeting on Monday. The suspect, age 57, is in custody and he has a history of disputes with some of the committee's board reports, <coughs> suggest. Lucia Cairobo, the committee's vice president, was at the cafe in the uh, Fiden district, Italy's La Repubblica newspaper reports, and she said the gunman had entered the bar on Sunday shouting, I'll kill you all, before using his pistol. And he was reportedly overpowered by other residents before being detained by police. Of those people injured, believed to be two women and two men, one remains in a serious condition. Prime Minister Giorgio Meloni named one of the women killed as her friend, Nicoletta Golasino. The other dead women were named as Elisabetta Silenzenzi and Sabina Sopadillo. In the Facebook post where she sent her condolences to Miss Gosolini's family, Miss Maloney said she would always remember her friend for being beautiful and happy. Nicoletta was a pro- protective mother, a sincere and discreet friend, a woman strong and fragile at the same time, she wrote. But above all, she was a professional and the sense of duty out of the ordinary. Nicoletta was my friend, and it's not right to die like that, she added. Nicoletta was happy and beautiful, and the red dress she bought for a 50th birthday party a few weeks ago. For me, she will always be beautiful and happy like that. Miss Bologna said that a shooting range from which the suspect had allegedly stolen the gun used in the attack had been closed and was under investigation. And police are yet to comment on the motivation of the suspect who has been named by the Italian press, but not officially. And the attack is not thought to have been political. The report suggests the suspect and the apartment block's board of residents have been locked in a bitter dispute for some time. Leader of Italy's far-right Brothers of Italy, Giorgione uh, G- Meloni, became the country's first female prime minister in October. And, um, you know, like we mentioned, it's very... Um, sad to see uh, so many lives uh, lost uh, over a very minute um, dispute Um, and again we hope and pray that those that are injured um, do make a speedy recovery Imam Daniel, a very warm welcome to you two to the breakfast show Um, anything that caught your eye this morning? Thank you very much Yep. Uh, first of all I would like to share some headlines from the papers so first of all it's from the metro news the metro focuses on the race to save ice lake horror victims four children were taken to hospital in critical condition on sunday after being rescued from an icy lake near birmingham uh, emergency services used boats a helicopter a drone in their search at babes milk lake the paper says uh, rescuers on the water at night are pictured on the front page of the mirror. A witness tells uh, the people two youngsters fell into the river before at least three others tried to rescue them. Soon they were all in trouble, the woman added. Lekor reads the Daily Express headlines. Uh, it reports the victim were taken to the hospital after suffering cardiac arrests uh, when the ice gave away at the freezing lake. Uh, the Telegraph 
says members of the public jumped into the lake at um, uh, Babes Mill uh, Nature Reserve to <coughs> rescue the children. The paper notes the incident comes as the country faces temperatures as low as minus 10 degree in the next few days. Uh, the Guardian leads uh, on a COBRA meeting to discuss uh, contingency plans to use the armed uh, services to cover striking workers MD, uh, amid a uh, warning uh, from military sources and retired senior officers about the impact on the morale of troops. Uh, one military source uh, tells the people, uh, bad go- government planning equal soldiers missing um, um, uh, Bad government uh, planning equal soldiers missing. And the Times writes that 750 members of the armed forces will be drafted in into drive ambulances uh, amid uh, mountaining concerned uh, patients will be put at risk by strikes. It says the Department of Health and Social Care has made a formal request for military support uh, with a five-day ambulance training program. Uh, but it notes uh, the NHS is concerned the support of armed forces will only have a marginal impact. The Financial Times adds the COBRA meeting will also look at the use of military personnel and civil servants at border force checkpoints at airports. It says that um, they are being trained uh, to take over the checks when staff walk off, uh, when staff walk out in a dispute over pay on 23rd of December. Uh, players and fans begged England manager uh, Gareth Southgate to stay on following his team's exit in the World Cup. The Sun's uh, reports. It, cuff, uh, it comes after Southgate uh, said he would reflect and review his position. Um, Kids Coming Home headlines the Daily Star as it pictures one lucky stray <coughs> cat in Qatar uh, who set for a new life in England after melting the hearts of footballers uh, John Stones and Kyle Walker. The paper writes the duo befriended uh, Dave the cat at the team's hotel. Now the uh, feline is heading for quarantine for before he is flown to the UK. Um, before he is flown to to the UK. So some of the front pages describes events in the you know uh, West Midlands yesterday's uh, as horror and terror on a frozen lake. And the Daily Express says four boys uh, got into trouble when ice cracked underneath one of them and the remaining three rushed to help him. So these were the headlines uh, from the papers. And uh, moreover, you know, uh, as uh, we can see that uh, our economy uh, is also, we can see the downfall in our economy as... uh, uh, the paper, the Guardian paper says that um, analysis uh, analysis shows uh, real wages fell by an average of uh, £76 a month in 2022 as pay failed to keep pace with inflation. 
So the uh, newspaper says, furthermore, that as workers across the UK prepare for strike action over pay, it has emerged that 2022 has been the worst year for a real wage growth in nearly half a century. Analysis of official statistics by the Trade uh, Trades Union Congress, uh, TUC, found that real wages, the amount people earned in relation to their cost of living, fell by an average of £76 a month in 2022 as a result of pay not keeping pace with inflation. Key workers in the public sector are now £180 a month worse off in real terms than they were a year ago, it said. It means workers have been the sharpest fall in real wages since 1977 and the second worst on record since the end of the Second World War. It also explains why so many workers have either started or are about to strike for increased pay. In the coming days, uh, strikes by the postal workers, train and bus drivers, uh, border force agency staff, driving instructors, NHS workers, teachers and a host of others are set to cause a huge disruption across the UK. Nurses real pay off by £1,800 over the last year. while paramedics real pay fell by £2,400 according to the TUC. Nurses who are due to strike on Thursday are earning £5,000 a year less in real terms than uh, they were in 2010. And for midwives and paramedics, the figure rise to more than £6,000. Um, the TUC General Secretary, uh, Secretary Francis uh, said the current wave of industrial action in Britain is a result of workers uh, being pushed to breaking point by years of pay or uh, <coughs> sorry by years of pay austerity. She also accused ministers of being more interested in escalating disputes than resolving them. Family budgets have been shredded by soaring bills and more than a decade of pay being held down. The Conservatives have presided over the longest real wage uh, squeeze in over 200 years, she said. So that was the uh, news uh, from The Guardian, which is a real concern for our country. Uh, in this um, crisis moment um, that, you know, uh, it's a real fall in in wages of the people mm. and it's a real concern. It is, and that's why so many people or so many um, organisations are going on strike. I've got one um, article in front of me where it states that um, one agency um, paid um, a doctor's shift and that pay equated to £5,200. So that's an example, really, of um, outsourcing um, uh, so that, you know, um, shift for a doctor uh, through the specific agency um, can be paid. And these figures are obtained by uh, the Labour Party through a freedom of information request. So there is um, a great debate over... um, the strikes that the NHS 
are planning on taking um, various royal mail strikes, various um, trains and transport overall, um, and it's all got to do with the, the cost of living, which has dramatically gone up. Um, and it's a huge shame because we all are aware of the current energy crisis too. So. Um, that is the current situation and just to end on I guess um, some sad news too um, the fact that our well, three Lions are out of the World Cup which is a shame but um, a match which you know they they literally left everything on the pitch they they put in the best um, and the rest was left to fate um, and I believe there'll be a match tomorrow a very interesting lineup actually tomorrow where, if I'm not mistaken, um, I think Morocco are perhaps playing a, um, um, or in actuality, France, I think. Morocco might be exactly that would be a brilliant lineup. Yeah. Um, and I think we, I mean, if that penalty was taken, the second penalty which Harry Kane mm. um, missed, if that was taken, then I, I don't know. I think we would have had it. I think we would have proceeded on to the semi-finals. Um, and you know, records could have been broken tomorrow. Argentina versus Croatia at seven o'clock in the evening, um, which will be interesting to see uh, what happens if Lionel Messi does, in fact, you know, take the World Cup home. Um, because his counter counterpart in Ronaldo, uh, we saw those scenes where Morocco um, beat them, and um, the jubilation that followed was, I guess, in order. Right, we'll take a break, and after the break, we'll uh, start off our first segment, which will be about the interfaith, the G20 interfaith forum um, in Abu Dhabi. of Islam Radio. The Contemporary Age, an age of reform and revolution, a time where the geopolitical outline of the world has transformed drastically within a scale of a few years. From the formation of countries and states to the continuous regime changes and revolts in the name of the establishment of democratic values, what are the principles upon which the basis of governance and socio-economics should be laid. Does Islam really have the answer to the economical unrest in the world? Read The Economic System of Islam by Hazrat Mirza Bashiruddin Mahmoud Ahmed Razila the promised reformer and the second successor of the promised Messiah, alayhi salatu wasalam. 
Islam Radio. Assalamu may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon you and welcome back to the breakfast show here at the Voice of Islam. So just before the break, we were introducing this topic, um, which is the G20 Interfaith Forum. Um, so for those of for those of our listeners who aren't aware of what this is, it's um, an interfaith forum um, which was established in 2008 and has been convened annually since 2014. The G20 Interfaith Forum offers an annual platform where a network of religiously linked institutions and initiatives engage on global agendas. It also allows different sectors and communities to present ideas and recommendations to global leaders. And their goal is to contribute meaningful insight and recommendations that respond to and help shape the G20 and thus global policy agendas. With us now, we have Imam Raza and Safir Zadish, who are live in Abu Dhabi and which they will certainly help us understand the environment and the overall feeling. A very warm welcome. Assalamu alaikum. Raza, can you hear me? Okay, we'll try and reconnect with them shortly. Um, the G20, as we were mentioning, in the past, their agendas have included economic models and systems. And the environment, and women, families, children, and work, humanitarian aid, and various other um, topics. And the main objectives which we um, have taken directly from their websites uh, include exploring the links between economic development and religion and religious freedom through informed scholarly discussions and facilitating constructive dialogue between socialite leaders in faith, government, business, media, education and other social institutions on how interfaith resources can enhance social and the economy. I believe we have reconnected and uh, made a link with our uh, representatives over there. Very warm welcome and uh, assalamu alaikum to Imam Raza. And good morning to the UK. Thank you so much. I presume the weather in Abu Dhabi it's, is much warmer than over here, currently where it's snowing. Slightly, slightly. Slightly. Yes. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> so we've given our listeners a, a, a brief insight and understanding as to what the G20 Interfaith Forum is. But um, would you be able to tell us about your experience as you're there, as we speak, and what the agenda was for the first day? So we've just um, uh, reached to the point where there is a discussion, a panel discussion between um, some of the 
members and some of the um, leading figures that they have invited talking about what exactly some of the practical steps that this interfaith forum can suggest to the G20, which is going to happen next year in September, I believe, uh, on how to implement some of the things and how to go about and, and you know the, the proceedings that will happen in September. So in the morning, we had the opening of the welcome address, the welcome ceremony where some of the key speakers and the key guests that they had invited, which um, included some of, uh, you know, very high-profile guests here, His Excellency Sheikh Abdullah bin Masood ibn Baya, who was who's also the chairman of the uh, Fatwa Council here in the UAE. And then you had, um, you know, Patriarch Bartholomew, who is from um, Constantinople. So high-profile religious leaders talking about some practical steps of how faith, how religion can play, um, or what solutions actually faith and religion present for the different crises, for the different problems that the world is facing right now. So it's a very, very interesting morning, very good start to this uh, interfaith conference here in Abu Dhabi. And I'm sure there's a lot more things to come throughout the day and tomorrow as well, day two. Fantastic. Um, And the importance of interfaith dialogue uh, for our listeners, um, which perhaps this this topic may be something new, which they've never really considered, and the fact that it's being um, a whole event is being really uh, dedicated to interfaith. Um, what is the significance of interfaith dialogue? That's a, that's a very interesting and good question, and I, I think we we asked ourselves that question as well um, before we got here. And in the morning, some of the the sessions, uh, some of the the speeches, and the intros that they've given, this question was asked, and. If you think about it, the problem, or not the problem, but if you are in a different part of the world, depending on what the association or the relationship with religion is of people in that in that part of the, of the world, it depends. That that answer varies. But what what, have, what we've learned here and in the beginning, the introduction was that the Middle East, and specifically here the UAE, serving as a bridge between the East and the West. Now, in the West, if you look, I'm sure you have spoken about this in the last couple of days, where the ONS brought out the statistic that the United Kingdom is not a Christian-majority country anymore. So people don't have such a strong affiliation with faith, where they say that faith can contribute something, faith or religion can bring a solution to the problems that we're facing at the moment. But when you come here or something that, you know, speaking to people here, or even, uh, you know, people are of faith in, in the UK, they are telling you, and they will talk about that, but we've exhausted and we've spoken about worldly solutions, we've spoken about material solutions, we've dealt with that, but we're, we're not seeing any of those efforts come to fruition. But when you look at religion, this was some of the things mentioned in the morning, that you need to focus on the commonalities that we have. When you come to politics, it's only differences between the parties, and sometimes even within the parties. So they don't agree on certain issues, even within one specific party. But when it comes to religion, the Abrahamic faith, so you have Christianity, you have Judaism, you have 
um, Islam, there's so many things that we share and there's so many things that we have in common. And we need to focus on those things. And that's exactly what the Holy Quran talks about as well. And so what the Holy Quran says that invite others to some of the things that, you know, you share with them. When you start up a conversation, regardless of what it is, and, and specifically when it comes to the, G, the, uh, the G20 and the problems that we're facing as humanity, not as Christians, not as Muslims, not as Hindus or as you know, British or Germans or Italians. This is, these are problems that affect humanity, regardless of where you live. So that's something that we need to focus on, things that we have in common, things that unite us instead of things that divide us. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. So, Imam Sab, um, you touched on the point of uh, Islam as well. Can you just elaborate more through the Islamic perspective, the you know importance of interfaith dialogue? Of course, um, and it goes back to everything. That you know, the question, the answer to your question goes back to the teachings of the Holy Quran. It goes back to the time of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Where he invited, for example, uh, that Christian delegation, where he invited people of other faiths to come and, and have a debate, have a discussion, sit at one table and, and, and share ideas. And that's exactly what we see, uh, you know, the teachings of the Quran, the verse that I've just mentioned, where God Almighty states that invite people to goodness. Yeah, there's, a, there's a way to approach, there's a way to talk to them. And if you, for example, Interfaith is about connecting with each other on, on common goals. Yes, there are going to be things that you disagree upon. But, as I said, if you think about it, if the source is the same, all major religions, um, from, from Hinduism all the way to, to, to Islam and everything in between, the source is the same, isn't it? We believe that these major religions, they were revealed, they were sent, these prophets were sent by God Almighty, mm-hmm. be it Abraham, Noah, Jonah, um, you know, Moses, you name it, all of them, they mm-hmm. were sent by God Almighty. Mm-hmm. So if the source was the same, how can it be that the message was different? That the message was that you should fight with each other, you should have differences with each other. Mm-hmm. The minor differences that we have are based on the necessity of the time that those religions were were sent down to, to, to humanity. So these were just a small differences. I mean, the religions developed, they evolved with, you know, according to the needs of the society, according to the needs of the time. And then when the final message of Islam came, which was you know to last for all of eternity, that's when everything was completed. Mm-hmm. But the Holy Quran says that today your religion has been perfected for you. There's nothing for you to add anymore. There's nothing for you to to change so you can survive the next or the remaining days of this earth and, 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 and this planet. That was complete. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we stay with that, I think a lot of the problems that we're facing in the world would be easier to solve, would be solved even. I think up to up, up till now, uh, instead of having these differences and 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 you know uh, uh, crises all around the world. 
Mm. So I got Imam Safi with me here as well. Maybe you want to ask him. <laughs> yeah, very <laughs> welcome to, to the show as well, Imam Safi. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Thank you very much for, uh, for connecting with us. Yeah, Imam Safir, I would like to ask you the another question that Imam Raza has very beautifully explained uh, through the Islamic lens. Um, can you just tell us about you know through such platforms, such initiatives, uh, you know the interface dialogue G20. Uh, do you think are we getting the desired results, uh, the results which actually actually have a positive impact uh, globally? I think that's a great question. Uh, you know, one of the speakers that uh, we have had a few uh, distinguished speakers at the conference, they uh, they said that it's time for us to get over the stage of dialogues and uh, start speaking about action. So mm-hmm. I think you're right that uh, we need to see actions. And uh, but you know that doesn't undermine the importance of the, this these type of programs, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we see uh, and a lot of uh, the speakers today have mentioned how the policies and uh, when it comes to faith when it comes to more comes to communities Mm -hmm. that are involved in faith how their opinions are not brought onto the table where policies of uh, different countries are made Mm -hmm. so when countries make their policies when they do their you know political things whatever they decide to do they tend to leave out the opinions of their faith leaders and you know, one thing that we see is that uh, across the board, you will see that um, all faiths, um, all the you know backgrounds of these uh, religions, they teach um, the values of respect, tolerance, and living in harmony. And that's something as well with uh, what um, you know some of the speakers uh, told us as well. We had a chief rabbi, for example, who spoke about how. Um, the, how you know the the different religions mm-hmm. uh, unite us? So the having the opinion of uh, mm-hmm. faith groups of uh, communities, especially when we are uh, making uh, you know policies uh, across the globe, when there are difficult uh, decisions to be made, mm-hmm. um, that comes down to 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 listening and bringing on every voice, um, and it doesn't matter if that voice is strong if that voice is, has influence because um, at the end of the day it represents um, the values it represents the people uh, so that's something that uh, the speakers have uh, stressed upon as well that uh, faith needs to play a bigger role um, in, uh, in in issues in solving issues that we are mm-hmm. facing uh, in today's world yeah certainly yeah more I think that we need to encourage and promote such voices and uh, uh, so I want to ask you that: uh, Do you think that uh, for such um, thing, uh, in order to promote such events, uh, do you think that uh, we are getting enough media coverage uh, for such events? So that well, uh, well yeah. I'm here. <laughs> That's why we're here. That's why we're talking to you. Yeah. Look, listen, um, I think we need to get. Uh, we would all like to see that these, these kind of events get more coverage, um, right? Uh, there is so much uh, good work that so many communities from so many different uh, you know are doing across the world um, and and it goes unnoticed uh, many times because obviously we know the whole narrative of uh, of how you know the the bad things always uh, come at the front and you know they grab the headlines 
but I think that uh, you know these kind of events are really really important and um, you know coming back to your earlier question as well that do we see that these events make a difference especially this one mm-hmm. is related to the G20 um, you know discussion the G20 uh, platform which means that whatever is being discussed in the interface uh, about you know how do we solve the issues of the world today is going to be you know um, put on the table is going to be um, represented um, at the G20 um, conferences or uh, at their uh, discussion um, to give them another perspective of, of how yeah. faith can play a role. So I think this is this is a great opportunity actually where where it could make the difference. However, obviously we pray and hope that uh, you know world leaders are able to pick up on these things. Yeah. I think uh, look, it's such a powerful way to get the voice of religious leaders to the policymakers. So to to get right to the source and tell them that this is this is what your religious leaders are telling you. This is what they're suggesting. This is what they're advising. Because they have an insight into the communities that they that they look over. Right? So for us uh, as as you know people working in our own faith communities we know the grassroots level, what the condition is there. We know the problems that people have to deal with when it comes to food crisis, when it comes to child poverty, when it comes to child dignity, when it comes to racism. All of these things that are being discussed here, we know that these things are affecting people at the grassroots level. How do you get that message across to presidents and leaders of countries? How do we do that? This is one of the ways. I mean, it's, it's, it started fairly recently. If you if you look at the history, it's not has been ongoing for decades or something. Mm. Um, but just to have this running simultaneously, get a different angle on it, get a different view on it. Mm. That's the, the the story behind this G20 interface forum that is happening here. So all the suggestions, all the recommendations that are being made here by religious leaders, they will then be presented to to the G20 summit and the political leaders, so they can have a look at that. And just one last question before we let you guys go. We thank so much for your time. Um, just on the point that my co-presenter was mentioning um, of the media coverage, I just Googled G20 into faith, and none of the sort of more affluent, more of the um, you know <laughs> um, media outlets which we would think um, would report on such a you know, high-profile event have done so. Yeah. Is that, do you believe, because of the overall um, decline that we see in faith, um, more people turning towards perhaps um, atheism or in general being agnostic? Why do you think this is? I, to be honest, it's, it's, it's one of the factors, but I, I think there's, there's, a multiple, there's multiple reasons behind that. But I'm just thinking back to the London Faith, uh, the Freedom of Belief and Faith Conference that happened in London. Mm. This is this is in the heart of London, and again, if you look at the media coverage, if you look at the outlet, as the Mom Sophia mentioned, mm. that it's about what sells. What what are the stories that are going to sell? Mm. Is it going to be about people who are committing atrocity uh, atrocities? Is it going to be about war, or is it going to be about uh, peaceful religious leaders who are coming together and talking about solutions to peace. Again, so the, the media narrative, the agenda that some media outlets have, 
we know about this. Islam has spoken about this. It's not a secret anymore living in an age of social media. But um, that's, that's one of the reasons what, that I can think of. It doesn't matter which, where, where you live. It's just generally nothing to, not much to do probably about what faith is and what not. Because I, I believe that, you know, you don't have to be um, uh, religious or belonging to a religion or even a faith community to be receptive to solutions to problems that affect us all. Most certainly. Thank you so much, Imam Raza and Imam Safi, for joining us this morning and bringing about the awareness that this forum so much so uh, dictates. Um, and hopefully, I, I say hopefully, I assume we'll certainly speak in the near future. Once again, thank you so much. That was Imam Imam Safir um, from live from Abu Dhabi reporting on the G20 Interfaith Forum. We'll go for a breakdown after the break. We'll continue with this segment and see what the agenda for this year is. <coughs> Allahu Akbar, Allah. أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله أشهد أن محمدا Listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. The Creator, the one who created all that is in existence. Verily, your Lord is Allah, who created the heavens and the earth in six periods. Then he settled himself firmly on the throne. He governs everything. Our jihad is not a jihad of swords, guns, or bombs. Our jihad is not a jihad of cruelty, brutality, and injustice. Rather, our jihad is of love, mercy, and compassion. Our jihad is of tolerance, justice, and human sympathy. Our jihad is to fulfill the rights of God Almighty and of His creation. The contemporary age, an age of reform and revolution, a time where the geopolitical outline of the world has transformed drastically within a scale of a few years. From the formation of countries and states, to the continuous regime changes and revolts in the name of the establishment of democratic values, what are the principles upon which the basis of governance and socio-economics should be laid? Does Islam really have the answer to the economical unrest in the world? 
read the economic system of Islam by Hazrat Mirza Bashiruddin Mahmud Ahmad Razilatalanho, the promised reformer and the second successor of the promised Messiah, alayhi salatu wasalam. The promised Messiah, peace be on him, founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community in Islam states, Sin, which indeed is a poison, is born when a man is wanting in obedience to God and is empty of his love and his affectionate remembrance. The fate of a man whose heart has become cold to the love of God is like that of an uprooted tree, no longer capable of drawing the sap of life from the soil. As such, a tree gradually withers and dies. So like the dryness of the tree, sin overwhelms the heart. The remedy for this state of dryness, according to the law of nature, is of three types. Number one, love. Number two, istighfar, that is, seeking forgiveness of Allah. It literally means a desire to bury or to cover, reminding one that as long as the root of the tree is buried in the soil, it can hope to bring forth green foliage. Number three, the third remedy is toba, which means to turn towards God in all humility, drawing the sap of life and to bring oneself closer to Him, to break loose with the help of righteous deeds from the enveloping cover of sinfulness. Tawbah cannot be achieved merely by word of mouth. In fact, Tawbah can be perfected only with the help of righteous deeds. All acts of goodness are aimed at achieving Allahu Akbar Allahu Akbar Allahu Akbar Allahu Akbar أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله أشهد أن محمدا Listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. The Creator, the one who created all that is in existence. Verily, your Lord is Allah, who created the heavens and the earth in six periods. Then he settled himself firmly on the throne. He governs everything. Allah, 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 Allah,
أشهد أن محمدا listening to the voice of islam radio assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh welcome back to the live edition of voice of islam so you know we were talking about uh, the interfaith uh, dialogue um, and our team which was present in abu dhabi they were giving us the ground reality over there and um, so now let's talk about some um about the summary of G20 interfaith forum which was held in uh, i believe in Italy in 2021 so in 2021 the IF20 was um, held in Italy over 730 religious leaders professionals scholars activists and government uh, representatives from across the globe gathered the center the central theme for the 2021 IF20 was a time to heal inspired by a biblical verse given the lives lost and changed due to covid pandemic the agenda covered many aspects most notably most notably the following topics uh, support for migrants refugees religious commitments to sdgs Uh, rights of minorities protection of holy sites and many more important topics and regarding the agenda for this year um, the vice president of G20 Interfaith Forum Association uh, Catherine Marshall uh, said looking to the year 2023 the forum opens an inclusive process that focuses on the vital experience and insights of faith communities on countless global issues um furthermore she says that um the 2022 forum in abu dhabi will serve as a bridge between the november g20 summit in indonesia um and the launch of the 2023 g20 agenda with india as 2023 host so the next g20 forum which uh, will take place in india and the india is the new host for g20 so it outcomes will contribute to the agenda of the 2023 g20 summit and beyond uh, about the g20 process the group of 20 or g20 is the premier forum for international economic cooperation bringing together the leaders of earth's most uh, prosperous economies collectively g20 members represent around 80% of the world's economic output two-thirds of the global population and three-quarters of international trade throughout the year the world's economic output um sorry throughout the year the representatives from g20 countries gather to discuss financial and socio-economic issues as well as broader humanitarian issues targeted by the UN's sustainable development goals 
about the G20 Interfaith Forum, the G20 Interfaith Forum seeks global solutions by collaborating with uh, religious thoughts leaders and political representatives to help shape the overall G20 agenda. It draws out, uh, it draws on the vital roles that religious um, institutions and uh, beliefs play in world affairs, uh, reflecting a rich diversity of institutions, ideas and values. Um, through uh, its extensive, uh, extensive work, um, extensive network of networks, um, it helps, you know, prioritize key global policy goals and um, point toward practical means of implementation at every level of society. Um, regarding the importance of interfaith dialogue, uh, Imam, I, I think it's very important. The, uh, the dialogue um, with interfaith because of the significance that it holds. Uh, we were just speaking with our correspondents in Abu Dhabi who were discussing of the various um, rabbis, chief rabbis that were making discussions, the various mm. Muslims, Christians, um, and it's really um, intriguing because of how these faiths, um, regardless of their positions, come together. Um, Dr. Abu Rahman, um, in her paper, Interfaith Dialogue, um, yeah, it's the importance that merits in the contemporary world defines interfaith dialogue in the following way. And she says, interfaith dialogue, also referred to as interreligious dialogue, is about people of different faiths coming to a mutual understanding and respect that allows them to live and cooperate with each other in spite of their differences. The term refers to a cooperative and positive interaction between people of different faiths, religious traditions, at both the individual and institutional level, and each party remains true to their own beliefs, whilst respecting the right of the other to practice their faith freely. Interfaith dialogue is not just words or talks, it includes human interaction and relationships, and it can take place between individuals and communities on many levels. So, that is the beauty that interfaith provides, and if we look at the um, early days of Islam, especially in the city of Medina, we find that during the rule of the Muslims there, um, the various religions lived together in harmony and peace. And this was the um, practice and indeed the teachings of the Holy Prophet Muhammad, the peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, where a peaceful society in which various faiths and lived harmoniously amongst one another. And this is what we try to inculcate and indeed preach today within the MDA Muslim, whereby we promote these dialogues. We promote events where um, you know, various faiths come together um, and discuss and indeed collaborate with one another's events so that the overall picture which is projected is a positive one especially in the current circumstances of the world that we live in so I think it's the duty of every 
um, religious individual to most certainly promote and indeed defend interfaith dialogue because of the way that it brings people together, because of the the bond that is created. Um, and it's so important because of the positivity that it produces. <coughs> Excuse me. Now, from an Islamic point of view, we just um, touched upon some uh, Islamic perspectives. But from within the Holy Quran, we find a ray of sunlight which um, shines forth in promoting interfaith. In chapter 49, verse 14, Allah the Almighty states, O mankind, we have created you from a male and a female, and we have made you into clans and tribes that you may recognize one another. Verily, the most honorable among you is he who is the most righteous among you. And surely Allah is all-knowing and all-aware. So a righteous believer is in essence enjoined to propagate and adhere to this. Um, And this teaching alone can foster love, affection and equality. Now peace and security and harmony cannot be established until people of each race, faith and nation are able to recognize that they are indeed created by a male and a female and therefore are equal. And if one is better than the other, it is in terms of righteousness alone. Righteousness being, uh, in essence, um, the fear of Allah, knowing that whatever we do, um, that God is watching. But we cannot judge for ourselves whose righteousness excels others. And the judge for this only is God the Almighty. The current... um, worldwide head of the Amdiya Muslim community um, stated that the founder of Islam the Holy Prophet Muhammad may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him is the perfect exemplar for mankind and is proclaimed by God the Almighty in the Holy Quran as being a mercy for all of mankind at every moment of his life the Holy Prophet may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon him sought peace and promoted interfaith dialogue and manifested immense love and respect for all people. His pure and noble heart was filled with compassion at all times. and He sought the betterment of mankind and taught his followers to respect and value all humanity, regardless of factors such as their faith, colour, caste or creed. For instance, on one occasion, the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, was sitting down, but immediately stood up as a mark of respect when he observed a funeral procession pass by. Upon this, one of his companions mentioned that the deceased was a Jewish person and not a Muslim. Hearing this, the Holy Prophet, may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, replied, Was he not a human? This reflected love in his heart for all of humanity. It also manifests how he guided his followers towards treating the people of all religions and beliefs with compassion and being sensitive and respectful to their feelings and needs. Another example from the life 
and the character of the Holy Prophet, may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, is when a delegation of Christians from the Arab city of Najran came to meet him in Medina. After some time, the Christians became restless, and so the Holy Prophet, may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, inquired if anything was wrong. In response, the Christians informed him that it was time for their worship, but they did not have an appropriate place to perform their prayers or rituals. Upon this, the Holy Prophet, the peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, invited the Christians to worship in his own mosque in Medina, according to their traditions and ways. And many people question whether Islam advocates freedom of religion, and through this gesture alone, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, set an everlasting example of tolerance, of freedom of religion, and freedom of worship for all of mankind. So, I guess the onus is on on both parties, really. Um, for those of us that lack the education and understanding of religion, or religions rather, to make sure that we are educated um, and well-versed in other religions before making a judgment. And for those of us that do follow a particular religion, or in this case Islam, just being the voice of Islam, for us to make sure that there is, I guess, a clear awareness of what Islam promotes, of what Islam's true teachings are, not what we merely read in the papers. Because, as mentioned before, the papers have to sell. Um, and some things which are mentioned, or the realities, rather, which are mentioned, perhaps aren't always printed on the front pages. So, I think the G20's Interfaith Forum in Abu Dhabi, currently which is being held, is in itself um, a great way of bringing about awareness of both faith and indeed interfaith, although, albeit, um, media coverage from the main, or rather the uh, mainstream outlets, is somewhat absent. Um, but we are doing our best making sure that this voice, the voice of religion and indeed of interfaith is promoted through all possible channels. We have come to the end of this segment. Uh, we'll take a short break and after the break we'll um, start off our second segment. A very different topic, but nonetheless a most intriguing and interesting one being around medical drones saving lives. Listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. 
السلام علیکم و رحمۃ اللہ وبرکاتہ میں پیس اینڈ بلیسنگ بھی پہنچ یو آل ویلکم بیک ٹو دا لائیو ایڈیشن آف بریک فاسٹ شو نو وی آر اینٹرنگ ان ٹو آور سیکنڈ سیگمنٹ وچ از اباؤٹ میڈیکل ڈرونز آر سیونگ لائفس سو دا جسٹ آف دا اسٹوری از دا ان مینڈ ویکلس آر بینگ ڈپلائڈ اکراس دا یو کے اینڈ بیونڈ ٹو ڈلیور لائف سیونگ میڈیکل ٹریٹمنٹ they used by the military and for surveillance purposes has earned the many critics but drones are becoming an increasingly f- uh, effective tool in the battle against cancer and other diseases um so in this segment we will discuss uh, about um, what is the potential of uh, drone technology uh, its advantages or dis- disadvantages and uh, we will also have our very esteemed guests as well uh, to whom we will ask various uh, questions regarding the advantages and disadvantages of uh, the drones uh, in medical field um moreover um regardless uh, this um the england's national health services um nhs is among those trialing the vehicles to deliver fragile medicines to cancer patients uh, living on the isle of wight uh chemotherapy drugs can have short shelf lives meaning patients often have to make the expensive hope over uh to the mainland for treatment delivering medication by car and ferry takes around 4 hours um but drones slash the journey time to just 30 minutes um uh, drones uh, or unmanned aerial vehicles uh, uavs uh, are changing the way healthcare and businesses operate across the world drones can be built to carry a payload or deliver packages to de- to their designated lo- uh, location and their contents can be anything from medical supplies to tele uh, diagnostics that support remote healthcare delivery uh, with congested transport networks rural uh, uh, communities uh, were fast access to emergency medicine diagnostics and uh, regular medical deliveries can be a challenge and with a desire to decrease carbon emissions globally drones provide an effective solution to logistics plan within healthcare they offer uh, they offer a real option for organizations who wants to increase um efficiency and provide consistent faster results for their clients Here in the UK, proof of concept trials are already underway to show how healthcare logistics can be streamlined using these automatic flights. In some hospitals, trusts, um we are working on they say that we, uh, they are working on on intra-hospital deliveries to increase uh, efficiency and productivity where trusts are based over multiple sites. logistical challenges can exist which mean that getting samples to testing and delivering results or spending or sending prescriptions can take time this can increase the amount of time that patients remain in hospital uh, slow down diagnosis diagnosis and increase bed occupancy by utilizing automatic drone 
um, can increase the amount of time that um, sorry by utilizing automatic drone deliveries within hospital buildings we can you know uh, free up uh, capacity for staff speed up the process of medical diagnostics and improve the care pathway now, another key use is connecting uh, pharmacies to explore the possibilities of prescription drop-off with local care homes um, during the COVID-19 um, the need for a contactless uh, mechanism for medication delivery has become increasingly apparent this does not only apply to pandemics but equally during pen, uh, winter when reducing contact can save the lives of those susceptible to the variety of illness um, that present themselves at this time. Um, so, uh, how neurons technology, uh, technology make this possible? Um, that's a very valid question. Imam uh, Shahzeb, uh, can you just elaborate us on the uh, neurons technology uh, so that, you know, um, while there's a possibility while in the air the the collision can happen mm. so how this technology can save us from this I think it's very very intriguing this topic in general um, especially the the amount of money that will be and indeed the time that will be saved um, in providing um, this relief of the drones being used with regards to the neurons technology, currently the law in the UK means that aside from special circumstances, a drone can only be flown when the pilot can see it, meaning the drone couldn't travel over long distances. However, Neuron is providing a solution to this problem by offering software which enables airspace users to safely avoid each other. We are actively seeking funding opportunities to develop these trial sites while gathering case studies on the medical applications of this drone technology. Building in the infrastructure to support this safer airspace is crucial to its long-term success with neurons technology. We will be able to utilize the skies to improve healthcare worldwide. And this is taken directly from them. And the solution is in the sky, apparently. Drones are an emerging solution, which makes particular sense in a disaster setting. Unmanned autonomous vehicles, or UAVs, commonly known as drones, have the potential to enable faster, safer delivery of critical medicines and vaccines and bypass impacted infrastructure on the ground. And organizations are working together across a variety of collaborative projects to experiment and advance drone technology. And I think it goes without saying that the benefits of drone technology are countless, from agricultural and farm plantations to food production to pestilence protection, environmental monitoring and conservation, um, city planning, property management, power line inspection, you know, services order, and an array of things, um, sort of avenues. And new advances in location technology are paving the way drones to make vital medical deliveries in record time that being I think the key selling point here such con uh, convenience is easy to take for granted uh, if you're elderly or infirm or live in a remote location the nearest access to medicinal care 
could be hundreds of miles away, with a poor, even non-existent delivery network. One device that could address these critical last-mile problems is in the medical supply chain in drones. The global market for medical drones was valued at 882 0.2 million US dollars in 2018, but that's now on track to grow by 24% by 2025. The coronavirus pandemic fueling the demand for unmanned air vehicles. Zipline, a logistics company that has pivoted into medical drone delivery, has flown 18 million autonomous miles in three countries to deliver millions of vaccines, units of blood and medications to thousands of healthcare facilities. These have been distributed to 25 million people. The numbers here are incredible. The limitations of drones for medicine delivery, it's uh, almost been a decade since the promises of urban autonomous good deliveries with unmanned aerial vehicles or UAVs started. However, the reality came to claim that it was not so easy. And problems are based on short battery life, uh, low load capacity, and high economical cost of the carriage. So there are hiccups. It's not a, I think, a smooth sail. Um, but the unmanned aerial systems appear to be a possible good alternative. The UAS, um, though, for deliveries of healthcare equipment, blood samples, or vaccines and other medicines, is in non-accessible areas and indeed in in temporary efforts during emergencies the quality of vaccines or blood samples carried by traditional methods and UAVs remain almost the same. UAVs can be hijacked or manipulated they can also trespass into authorised areas such as airports and military zones while convenience surveillance is an advantageous use of drones it can be a disadvantage with severe consequences when done by third parties. So these are some of the um, uh, positives and indeed the negatives um, of the drone delivery, the high initial investment cost um, due to the immature application of drone technology. The various hardware costs are still relatively high. Uh, resulting in high procurement costs, um, security risks, and indeed the weather, good old weather, which brings about a um, spanner in the works. So um, we do have a guest caller lined up, but um, we are um, just waiting on them. And in the meantime, we'll take a short break. And uh, after the break, we'll um, have a great understanding from CEO of Chamber UK. Ashhadu an Muhammad 
listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. What is Ahmadiyyat 101? Ahmadiyyat 101 is a brand new series explaining the beliefs of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community in a simple, easy to understand format. These videos are for everyone, whether you are a fellow Ahmadi or just here to fulfill your curiosity. This is your platform to learn and find out more. This series is exclusive to MTA Online One, the official YouTube channel of MTA International. So, subscribe and turn on your notifications so you don't miss a single video. Post your questions in the comment section and we will answer them in future videos. This is Ahmadiyyat 101, making Islam Ahmadiyyat simple. The Promised Messiah, peace be on him, founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community in Islam states, Sin, which indeed is a poison, is born when a man is wanting in obedience to God and is empty of his love and his affectionate remembrance. The fate of a man whose heart has become cold to the love of God is like that of an uprooted tree, no longer capable of drawing the sap of life from the soil. As such, a tree gradually withers and dies. So like the dryness of the tree, sin overwhelms the heart. The remedy for this state of dryness, according to the law of nature, is of three types. Number one, love. Number two, istighfar, that is, seeking forgiveness of Allah. It literally means a desire to bury or to cover, reminding one, that as long as the root of the tree is buried in the soil, it can hope to bring forth green foliage. Number three, the third remedy is toba, which means to turn towards God in all humility, drawing the sap of life and to bring oneself closer to Him, to break loose with the help of righteous deeds from the enveloping cover of sinfulness. Toba cannot be achieved merely by word of mouth. In fact, Taba can be perfected only with the help of righteous deeds. All acts of goodness are aimed at achieving perfection of Taba. Writings of the Promised Messiah, salam. Then arise and repent and win the pleasure of God through good works. Remember that the punishment of wrong beliefs is after death. Being a Hindu or a Christian or a Muslim will be determined on the Day of Judgment, but a person who goes beyond the limit and wrongdoing, transgression, disobedience, and vice is punished in this life. Such a one cannot escape God's chastisement. So hasten to win God's pleasure, and before the dreadful day arrives, namely the day of intensity, of the plague of which the prophets have warned, make your peace with God. He is very benevolent. To the one moment of the repentance that melts the heart, he can forgive the sins spread over seventy years. Do not say that repentance is not accepted. Remember that you cannot be saved by your deeds. It is grace that saves and not deeds. Benevolent and merciful Lord, bestow thy grace upon all of us. We are thy servants and have fallen down upon thy threshold. Amen. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar.
أشهد أن لا أشهد أن محمدا You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Assalamu alaikum. May the peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all, and welcome back to the breakfast show here at the Voice of Islam. Before the break, we were talking about this revolutionary um, advancement in the world of medicine, or rather, at least the delivery of medicines through drones, and how um, the amount of time and indeed uh, resource uh, resources rather are saved from using drones. Now, it's time we turn towards uh, an Islamic point of view to see what Islam's stance is on delivering relief and indeed succor to others. The promised Messiah, the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, stated, and I quote, sincerity towards others and love for humanity is part of faith. The definition of the highest moral values is that sincere kindness and sympathy be professed towards all humanity without any expectation or reward of compense. This is what is known as true humanity. And in essence, really, that is the the role and indeed the duty of every Muslim, at least. Or, or indeed, you know, we could even extend this to of all religious people to make sure that they are sincere and indeed have a level of love for humanity um, whereby showing the highest moral values um, so that we can indeed promote humanity and indeed support humanity. Allah the Almighty never forsakes those people who hold within their hearts sincere love for humanity. The current and fifth uh, worldwide head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community states, I quote, they should underscore the fact that through Allah's grace and mercy alone you have been able to acquire the knowledge and proficiency through which you can help and serve humanity in a way that others cannot. And so you must utilize these skills for the sake of alleviating the suffering of mankind. And in essence, that is what this new technology is all about, um, to limit the time that people are suffering and indeed to provide the the support that we can. And a lot of people, funny enough, they suggest that religion or indeed Islam this being the voice of Islam, don't uh, go hand in hand with science. Um, science and religion or Islam can never be, you know, um, on the same page, which is incorrect, because there are so many um, Islamic scientists. If we just open up the the history books and we look at the golden era of Islam, um, that being referred to sort of the early days of Islam where there were a number of scientists and indeed philosophers and um, great individuals who came up with so many mind-boggling things which um, I'm certainly not uh, intellectual enough to um, articulate. But um, all of those things 
whilst them being Muslims and uh, those people coming up with these scientific um, endeavors show us that these that science and indeed Islam all religion for that matter can go hand in hand and do go in hand in hand and therefore this technology that we are discussing um, about is something that we promote and push because in essence its goal or its achievement or its sort of conclusion is that you know the suffering of others is alleviated and the uh, the heartache that other people uh, are enduring can be um, cut and indeed uh, minimized and it should not be that uh, you know the amdi doctors utilize the expertise only for the sake of earning the riches of the world this is mind you a continuation of the quote of his holiness the current and fifth leader of the amdi muslim community he states that the um, amdi doctors um, it shouldn't be their uh, objective to utilize the expertise only for the sake of earning the riches of the world or for climbing the professional ladder rather it's imperative that each and every one of your sacrifices is, is significant periods of your lives for the service of the community by utilizing your expertise and training for the sake of humanity. Only then will you fulfill the rights of mankind according to your capabilities. And only then will you be counted amongst those people who have acquired the highest morals as outlined by the promised Messiah on whom be peace. So, from within the highest um, office within the Ahmadi Muslim community, this message is promoted to make sure that the doctors that are working on the front line, that are supporting humanity, are doing so with the intention for not only gaining material wealth, but for utilizing their expertise and training for the sake of humanity to a greater purpose a greater role which the Amdi doctors are instructed to adhere to. In the teachings of the Holy Quran, an example of the Holy Prophet, may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, both of them direct us on how best to serve mankind. The Holy Prophet, may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, practiced the teachings of the Holy Quran to the fullest extent and is the best example of the true representation of service to mankind and to Allah. You know, we mentioned here a number of narrations um, where he showed not only interfaith tolerance and compassion but also the respect for one another um, regardless of what background uh, one is from within the Holy Quran we find in chapter 2 verse 238 stated and do not forget to do good to one another and furthermore the Holy Quran states this about the Holy Prophet of Islam that we have sent thee not but as a blessing for the entire universe for all peoples that's chapter 21 verse 108 and indeed if we open up the history books if we look at the character and the life of the Holy Prophet he was a mercy for all of mankind he liberated mankind from the shackles of slavery oppression and from all sorts of vices during the time of his uh, period here on earth humanity was enrolled in in vices um, they used to drink 
ex- extensively um, and a lot, a lot of harm was distributed to women, children, the elderly. There was quite simply no rule of land and the Holy Prophet in his um, presence and indeed um, in his grandeur um, established a role model society and therefore the Holy Quran remembered this um, and indeed remembered him as mercy for mankind and in a separate uh, chapter of the Holy Quran we find that he's been referred to as verily uh, you have in the Holy Prophet of Allah an excellent model so for all the Muslims that have come after the Holy Prophet of Islam may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon him we find a character, we find an example of an, of an individual which all of us should follow um, because of the way that he conducted himself, because of the way that he showed um, how best to live one's life, really. And even if perhaps one doesn't follow a religion, or at least Islam for this case, you know, everything and anything that the Holy Prophet did was done and so that society as whole could improve um, and all of his teachings were in essence the teachings and laws that we find implemented today in today's society the Prophet Messiah the founder of the MD Muslim community and human peace had a great compassion for mankind and he said sympathy for all of mankind is a moral obligation and a duty and religion is no religion which does not inculcate sympathy nor does that man deserve to be called a man who does not have sympathy in him the promise Zion MBP said the teachings of the Holy Quran can be divided into two major categories the first being unity of God love and obedience to him and the second is to treat kindly your brothers and fellow beings and be kind and merciful to humanity and always work for the good of mankind. So this is the true teachings that we find that Islam has promoted, will promote, and indeed continues to promote. Because without a true picture being painted, people will unfortunately follow what is wrongly displayed whenever there is a an outbreak or indeed... Um, a, um, a negative story and that will be made as sort of the rule of thumb but what we find here is in fact a religion which promotes peace and tolerance and harmony um, and indeed com- and provides comfort for the soul now, this is the essence of Islam and this is why you know, Islam is so um, understanding um, and so many people believe it to be so. Um, and tying it in with the topic at hand, it provides us that level of scientific advancement too, um, You know, whereby we can, in fact, support one another through the various gains and indeed strides that science um, pays for us. Um, and the two, when combined, are your religion um, and indeed science, when combined, are a unstoppable force. Uh, a force which um, which will enable humanity to go from strength to strength. We'll take a short break and after the break we'll continue with this segment up until the 9 o'clock news.
Welcome back to the live edition of Breakfast Show. So Imam Shahzeb was, you know, as um, discussing that uh, the science and Islam do does go hand to hand. And um, uh, he gave many examples and he has beautifully explained uh, it through the history of uh, the golden era of uh, Islam. And for example, there are many examples, Muslim scientists like Jabir bin Hayyan. And in medicine, we have uh, Bu Alisina, you know, who served Islam and um, uh, medicine in the best uh, possible way. And not only this, that, but we also have um, an example of um, uh, Dr. Abdul Salam, uh, he served uh, the nation, uh, his nation, and the uh, field of physics in the best possible way. Uh, following these examples, um, you know, which Islam gives us, which Islam teaches us, uh, the MDM Muslim community is uh, trying to uh, tread on the path um, which Islam teaches us, which the Holy Prophet and Sallallahu may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him and the Sharia taught us. So, um, treading on the same path, our Imam, our His Holiness, Hazrat uh, Masroor Ahmad, may Allah strengthen his hand, uh, guides us. Um, to follow, uh, to follow the same path, and uh, so that we can, you know, uh, get the s- the same results, which the doctors and the other uh, professionals uh, in their field have uh, got uh, in terms of, uh, uh, you know, uh, in terms of serving humanity. And uh, following the same path, uh, um, the MD Muslim Jamaat uh, has also produced many scholars as well and um, highlighting the name of, as I, as I have highlighted the name of um, Dr. Abdul Salam. And uh, moreover, um, in, in 1990s, um, the fourth caliph, Hazrat uh, Mizat Tahir Ahmed, has also initiated um, a scheme, um, a program, uh, naming uh, humanity first, and 
um, Humanity First is serving now more than 60 countries all around the globe, um, serving humanity, uh, serving in those areas uh, which uh, where people, where the lower class people have been marginalized, uh, where they, the poverty is so much that uh, they don't have the, the clean drinking water. And especially so that that's why especially the Humanity First is working in in the rural areas of Africa, the rural areas in Pakistan, and installing the wells as well, uh, so that you know they can have the uh, basic necessities of life. Uh, so you know the overall in general. The MDM Muslim community is trying to um, uh, follow the same teachings which the uh, which our master, which the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, has followed, and uh, so that's why we try to profess the same teachings as well, in in not only by um, uh, by speech but also by uh, by doing practice as well. And uh, with this, you know, we are um, heading towards the end of our show. And um, as you have listened to our first segment, uh, which was about inter interfaith uh, dialogue G20, which is happening in Abu Dhabi, and you have listened to the uh, insight regarding this by our um, staff members of um, Voice of Islam who are present uh, in Abu Dhabi and uh, in this segment uh, you you have uh, you have given the you have been taught about the drones uh, which are serving in the fields of medicine so that people can get you know those people who are in some kind of underlying conditions who have cancer who are cancer patients in in other islands so they can get their treatment as quickly as possible so with these uh, short remarks we are heading towards the end of our show and I would like to present my thanks to my uh, presenter, co-presenter Imam Shahzeb Sahib and uh, the producer Tahmina Chima Sahiba and Sima Brahman, researchers um, Saira Ahmad, Mahna Brahman, Ambar Kamal, and especially the tech team um, who has a special role in, uh, you know, in our presentation. And thank you for, the, for joining us. And please do join us uh, for our next show in the coming Monday. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.
أشهد أن محمدا listening to the voice of islam radio walillahil asmaul husna fad'uhu biha Hazrat Yusuf, on whom be peace, mentions God's favors by virtue of his attribute of Al-Latif, the benignant, by recalling how God was his friend, while his brothers conspired against him. According to the lexicon, Latif is a kind of gracious being, one who is benevolent to his creation, as well as one who is aware of all subtle and incomprehensible matters. Al-Latif is one who illuminates hearts, who makes arrangements for physical and spiritual nourishment, and who offers his friendship to his servants during times of tribulation. The promised Messiah on whom be peace said that sight, intellect, and consciousness cannot reach God. It is impossible to try and see Him. He is Al-Latif. He is unseen and illuminates the person he reaches to such an extent that the person speaks for him, a divine honor mostly granted upon the prophets of God. God is the knower of all subtleties and is all aware. He is of those who seek him and raises prophets to be their guide to him. His light is manifested through His prophets as they spread the light of unity of God all around them. Among all the prophets of God, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon Him, disseminated this light the most. For it was He who had the most perfect perception of God and it was He who was completely imbued in the colors of God. In the current age, Because of his perfect and complete devotion and subservience to the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, God has granted this distinct honor to the promised Messiah on whom be peace. It is the attribute of Al-Latif that makes God the friend of his servants in all trials and tribulations. Just as the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, continuously prayed for the reformation of his ummah as well as his opponents, as only Al-Latif can be the guidance and reformation. Al-Latif is the supporter of the victim, the voice of